0: Going through, we're on week three of the end of me. Uh, what does it mean to die to yourself? Uh, we're going through the Beatitudes. We're only going through a few of them, but it's the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus, uh, one of the major sermons that he did in the New Testament, and it's in Matthew. Now, in the beginning of this message, I need your help. I need your participation. And this is going to be a little different, okay? So I, I'm going to show you a series of pictures of people, and if you know the person, shout their name out. Okay, I want you to participate. I I don't think I need to do all the talking here, so I want to share that with you. So let's start with the first one. Who is this? Anybody know? Drew Barrymore. Yes, that's right. Um, And and as we go through these, I forgot to mention, as we go through these, I want you to think about what these people have in common. What do these people have in common? Okay? Alright, next slide. Who's this? Ah, that was good. Yeah. I'm a huge Elton John fan. I mean, Tiny Dancer, Rocket Man, Daniel. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Even Christian, Elton John too. So uh, who else? What's the next one? Does anybody know who this is? Owen Wilson. Wilson. Very funny guy. Very, very funny guy. Uh, What else? Who else? Richard Pryor. Pryor. One of the great comedians of all time. Very funny guy. I love Stir Crazy with Gene Wilder. Gene Wilder is one of my all-time favorite comedians. I mean, you can't get much better than Charlie in the Chocolate Factory with him. I mean, you just can't. The guy is a genius. Um, and if you ever watch some in- interviews with him, he's a very intelligent, very funny guy. But uh, uh, that's Gene Wilder. Um, the next guy. i go back. Yeah, right here. Nope. Oh, you're cheating. <laughs> you're giving away the answers back there. Spears. All right, Britney Spears. All right. Uh, Emmy Award winning singer. Uh, pro, uh, sorry, producer, she's like, she, she was really the beginning of these megastars, you know, like we have today. Uh, who's next? All right, anybody know who this is? Walt Disney. Walt Disney. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, go ahead. Walt Disney, okay? I, I, I don't even need to introduce him to you at all, so who's the next guy? Disney, Sammy, the original Rat Pack. Anybody like, anybody fan of the old uh, Rat Pack movies? Oh, yeah. Next one. Anybody know who this is? Who? Mike Mike Wallace. Now, Chris Wallace was the guy the other day. Yeah, Mike Wallace. Sixty Minutes. Been phenomenal anchor uh, and and reporter. Great career. All right, I think that's it. Yes. So here's the question: What do all these people have in common? Take a guess. So throw stuff out. Celebrity. Money. What's that? Money. Money. Anything else? Money Fame. Yeah, there's a lot of things they have in common. These guys are the best in their industry. I mean, they're, we, we all, everybody in here, if you didn't know all of them, you knew at least some of them. I mean, these guys are famous. They're well known for being really good at what they do. They're experts in this field. You know, we have got the great musicians, great comedians, uh, You know, great news reporters have been on these long careers. And they have a lot of things in common. But there's one thing that they all have in common that you probably didn't know. You probably didn't know this. Every single one of them attempted suicide. Every single one of these people that you're looking at has attempted suicide in their life. See, they have this fame and they have all these things and we all know them. And on the outside, we look at them. and go, wow, they got, you know, these guys are great. That's a great comedian. That's a great musician. Great songs. Tiny Dancer, one of my favorite songs. Fantastic. But on the outside, you see that. But on the inside, something was happening in their lives where they were just distraught. They were hopeless. They were sad. They are broken to the point where they wanted to end their life. All of them. Drew Barrymore at age 14. Uh, Sammy Davis Jr. when he was trying to get married to Kim Novak. Uh, attempted suicide because of race was preventing him to race and religion was preventing him from getting married. Uh, Richard Pryor tried to pour uh, alcohol all over him and light himself on fire. Britney Spears twice in 2006. Owen Wilson, great comedian, in 2007 tried to commit suicide. Checked himself into a treatment program. Mike Wallace at night and, and he was 60 years old. He tried to commit suicide at sixty. All these people on the outside look on all appearances look like they got it all together. On the inside, they were hurting, they're struggling, they're in pain. They're hopeless. No, they felt hopeless. See, sometimes we we have this tendency to act a little better than we are, don't we? We come to church and we put on our best clothes and we and we you know, we don't talk about problems here. You know we don't, we don't do that, or, or sometimes we and, and even if it's, it could be a very open church, a very authentic church, but still we have this tendency to kind of put on these these masks, these fronts, these these, uh, uh, these outward appearances, and we have this tendency to do that, and, and it's very different. our outward appearances are very different than what's really going on in our lives and what's really going on inside. sometimes our outward appearances are very different than our true personality or our true feelings or are our true, real emotions. Many of us don't like it when we see somebody uh, that's what we call like a faker, right? You, you have that friend or that person you know that seems to always be faking it. They they're, they're always seem happy, but they're really not. Or they act like your best friend, but they're not. I was watching a, a video on YouTube, and I tried to find it again to show it real quick. It was really funny. It had this statue cat, and it said, and the caption was, this is what happens when you find out your friends are fake. And it had this real cat just flipping around, going, trying to bite him and attacking this fake cat. And it was really funny. But, you know, we don't like that. When we have somebody in our lives that's kind of fake or phony, it really bothers us. It really kind of gets under our skins a little bit. But we all have a tendency to do that. We all have a tendency to, to, to kind of show and put this front on the outside. But see, what Jesus says... In this verse that we're going to look at today, what he talks about is is that he says that we're blessed when we quit making people think we're more than we really are. Quit making other people think we're more than we really are. Blessed are those who are on the inside matches the outside. Blessed are those people that that their outside and their inside life and who they are, it matches. There is no fakeness. There is no phoniness. In this series, we're looking at some of the sayings that Jesus um, uh, goes through in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. And he, and, and he takes these, these, uh, these common beliefs in religion and he flips them. He, he challenges them. He, he goes after them and he says, look, you know, and I, I've said this a couple weeks now. This is what you've been taught, but this is what God really wants in your life. You've been taught all this religion, but that's different. That's not what, we, what God really wants in your life. And so he takes these things, these, these, he confronts these common beliefs about faith and religion and life. And he turns them upside down. He Comes along and challenges them. And he teaches that what on the inside is what matters. It's a, it's, a, it's a heart issue. It's about your life with God. And it's about your heart and your relationship with God. It's, he taught about brokenness. Remember in the first week, we talked about the poor in spirit. And the humble, the b- broken before God, that humility that needs to be before God really works in your life, you need to be broken before Him. Last week we talked about mourning and when we go through these times and, and, we, and we mourn and we're sad because of our sin or because life doesn't go the way we think it should and we bro- get before God and God starts working before us or working in us and He starts sitting there. He says, you know what? I, I'm here with you. I know you're bro- mourning. I know you're hurting. I'm here. Let me work in your life. And when, we're, when, we're, uh, when he works in our lives, he gives us a new vision and a new life. But it's only through that brokenness. See, Jesus taught that he does not want all those external things. He doesn't want that, that, that show. He wants what's really deep inside. He wants what's really here. He wants a relationship. He wants you to completely, 100% rely on him. Not 99 not 99.9, 100%. He wants you before him. He wants your brokenness. See, when God sees us uh, broken and humble, that's when the real work of the Holy Spirit and the real work of Jesus comes in. It's only through that time. So the verse we're going to be looking at is verse five. It's Matthew verse five, uh, chapter 5, verse 8. And the English Standard Version says it like this. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall seek God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I love how one of my favorite translations on, on, on this is uh, the Message Bible. And the Message Bible says it like this. It says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and heart, put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. See, get this right. The rest will come. The rest will be seen differently. God will work in your life. But you have to get this right first. Before you can be filled with God, you need to be emptied of you. Before you can be filled with God, you need to be emptied of you. Coming to the end of me in this series is being emptied of yourselves. It it comes in two ways. Either either you can empty yourself and you just stop doing the things we want to do and follow God, or we can let life empty us. Either life does the emptying, or we choose to do it first. But in either case, this emptying in life is, is key to spiritual growth. Either way, there will be an emptying of me. And when that happens, there will be a filling by God. When everything in the world is gone, when, when, when you strip away everything and you're left by yourself, how are you going to be? when you stop looking for external things to fill that void and to fill that, that thing in your heart that you're thriving for and that, that desire you have, when you stop looking at the outside world for that and you look to Christ, that's what an emptying of me means. God is waiting to fill you. He wants to fill you. He desires to fill you. But we've got to get rid of ourselves and set that aside so we can be filled with God. And Acts, uh, as the church grows and we see in Acts, we see, you hear about this guy named Saul. And later on you'll know him as Paul. But Saul uh, had, a, had a huge experience with God. He was doing everything in his power to stop the church. I mean, this guy was going after it. He was killing people. He was putting them in prison. He was a murderer. I mean, he, and he all thought he thought he was doing it because it was right. Little did he know that one day while he was on his way to, uh, with, with documents in his hand to go persecute the Christian church when he was going to get stopped on this road and have an encounter with Christ. He didn't know that. And Acts chapter 9 verses 1 through 9 tells the story of Saul encountering Jesus on the road to Damascus. A bright light happened, a dramatic. Uh, he, he went blind. I mean, all these events happened. Um, he heard an audible voice of Jesus. and He says, who are you? And Jesus says, I am Jesus the Christ. Jesus the Messiah. Why are you persecuting me? I don't know about you, but I've never experienced that. I would love to be on the road to Damascus and see that happening, but I've never had that happen. I mean, it's never happened to me. I've never had some light come up in the, in the sky and, and just... An audible voice. And if it did, and I shared that with somebody, it would probably put me away. But that's an amazing experience. No matter what happened, what happens to us, whether we have that audible thing that, that Paul experienced or we have some other experience in our lives, we experience Jesus at some point. We know He's real at some point. At some point in the journey of the end of me, we will become face to face with Jesus if we're really seeking him out and we really want to end our lives of ourselves and really 100% focus on God, we will encounter Jesus. Every empty to be filled story begins here. Either you meet Jesus because you had nowhere else to turn or you meet Jesus because you turned everywhere and you become unsatisfied. Whatever reason, however you encounter him, the encounter of Jesus is the beginning of the end of me. You have to encounter Jesus at some point in your life to begin this journey to the end of me. Now, once you experience that, if you follow his direction, you will it'll be the beginning of a real life, a genuine life, a godly life. You'll have an experience that blows your way when you have that experience with Jesus. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 6, Paul talks about his change of the name, and he talks about the things that he valued before he accepted Christ. Before he met Jesus on the road to Damascus, he valued certain things. And then after he experienced Jesus, his life changed. So take a look at what he said here. Here's the things that he was confident in. Here's the things that was really important to him. Though I could have confidence in my own effort. If anybody could, indeed, if others have reason for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. I was circumcised when I was eight days old. I'm a pure-blooded citizen of Israel. I'm a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, if there ever was one. I was a member of the Pharisees who demanded the strictest obedience to the Jewish law. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as and as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. So what he's doing here is he's talking about how, what he valued before. Look, you know what? I am wealthy. I am educated. I come from a, a royal line, the Benjamites. In today's world, it'd be like, you know, if I was a Kennedy and I went to Harvard and I'm wealthy. Or what other royal family do we have? We have like uh, the Vanderbilts or, or some, of these, some of these people from the... 20s that made their empire if we're considered american royalty that's what he's talking about he's 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 well off and he said look at all this stuff if i could count anything in the world that that makes me value i can do that because look at my history look at who i am but then he goes on in verse eight he says something else he lists all these external measurements of holiness he he and achievements and he lists all these things in here But then he talks and he talks about his lineage and his family history, but then he takes a strong the strong word in verse eight. He says, it's rubbish. Now, in our language, rubbish is rubbish. It can be very kind of gentle, it could be a little harsh. But when you look at the Greek and you start looking into the meaning of this, it's trash. It's garbage. It's rubbish. It's junk. He said, again, all this stuff, all this money, all this, all this status, all this holding to the law was junk and rubbish. And that word, if, if we were to translate it into an English word, it would actually be kind of offensive. We, we don't see it in Bibles, but I did find one in the Message Bible. It actually goes on and say, dog dung. That's how bad it is. That's how significant he's saying. All that stuff that I could count for me is nothing dog do it's trash it's rubbish that's how strong language he uses here in fact we should uh, uh paul feels so strongly that he used the this word these words to describe everything of value that the world had for him but then after he met jesus things changed after he encountered jesus his whole life his whole perspective changed Saul said, or Saul had a change of perspective, which meant that all the things that used to fill him up were completely useless. And he knew that he had to take out the trash. He knew he had to get rid of all of that to truly be the end of him and a new creation in Christ. See, if we want to be filled up with God... And we want to be, we really want to be dedicated Christians. We want God to use us and, and work in our lives. We need to take out our own trash. We need to get rid of those things that, that are not important. we got to get rid of our own trash. So I have a couple questions to think about. What are the things that, you, that define you? What are some things that define you as a person? What are some things that you're proudest of? Important question is this. What are the things that compete with God for your attention, time, energy and affection? Read that question. Think about this. What are some things that compete with God for your own attention, time, energy and affection? Taking out the rubbish is crucial. We want God to fill us up. He's got to fill our emptiness. Now how can God fill us up if we're filled with all this junk? That we think are important, but are not important in the eyes of God. How can we do that if we're filled with junk? We got to get rid of that trash, so we have room to be filled with God. Back in chapter uh, Acts, chapter nine, after Paul's blindness was taken away, he spent some time with some other people, and he took this time with with some other disciples, and he learned, and he started immediately preaching gospel. He started immediately preaching Jesus soon as he got saved, he spent some time with some people, and God started filling him up. God started filling him up with the Word. Started filling him up with the Holy Spirit. Started teaching him. And he immediately started preaching the Gospel. Paul was not just emptied of his, of his past and left alone. He, wasn't, he didn't take out the trash and then said, okay, you're going you're to sit here and hope that no trash comes back in. No, he emptied out that trash. He said, you know what? I'm, I'm done with that life. I have a new life in Christ. And then he started allowing God, or moved out of the way and let God fill him up. Paul gets filled up with his mission of Jesus, and then he was sent out to go do it. When Jesus fills you up, he fills you up with a purpose. He doesn't fill you up just so you can have a lot of Bible knowledge up just so you know scripture he fills you up to change you from the inside out he fills you up to equip you to be able to go out and do his ministry to do uh, to share the gospel with the world to use your gifts and talents and abilities to share the gospel and make change or help transform lives he doesn't have you just sit there empty he fills you up now, it may feel like you've been empty a long time. It may feel like, like you know, okay, I've accepted Christ, but I, but I feel this emptiness still. It may feel like you've been empty for a long time. Or maybe you might feel like Jesus won't really use me or, or won't fill me up. And, and, and preacher, I hear what you're saying, and I really want that, that desire. I, I have that desire for God to really work in my life, but, but I just don't understand. You know, I, I feel this emptiness inside. But Let me tell you something. God knows who you are. He knows your name. He knows every hair on your head. He knows everything about you, and he's waiting to send you out. He's waiting for you to live for him and send you, and so he can fill you up and send you out. He's waiting for it. But you have to empty yourself. And you have to say, God, I'll go wherever you want to go. I will learn wherever you want. And just have that complete, utter submission to him. Since the 1960s, Ken Manfield was a great producer. Uh, he's, he produced acts like The Beatles. Uh, he was in Capitol Records. He was a, a powerful executive, for world famous, uh, toured around with uh, acts like The Beatles, the, the Waylon Jennings, uh, James Taylor, Roy Orbison, Judy Garland, Glenn Campbell. I mean, the name's long. Uh, Dolly Parton, uh, even modern acts like Jake Owen. Uh, he, he's, when it comes to producing and being a record producer, he is top of the top of the game. But in the 1970s, he popularized this outlaw movement of Waylon Jennings by producing this album, his number one album, Are You Ready for the Country? Some of you country fans probably know that. And he moved this, he he was instrumental in this this new rebel country, this outlaw country movement. And after he, he had everything he wanted, he had cars, he had money, he had status, he was touring around this rock star lifestyle, he had everything he could possibly imagine. Everything he wanted, but then suddenly, in the 1980s, he lost it all. He lost everything, from going, being this wealthy person to living on the streets. Even at the height of his success, he still felt empty. He still felt empty inside. Once he was introduced to Jesus, he began following him, filling and Jesus was filling him back up. He was so broken and he was so empty inside that he finally got to that point where the life took him to that point where he was willing to accept Jesus to fill him up. Not with wealth, not with, with tour buses or huge houses, but with joy, with peace and purpose. Now Ken travels all over the country sharing his testimony, and he challenges people to empty themselves for Christ. He challenges them to empty themselves and, and when, before they find themselves desperate and in a situation like he is. He's saying, look, you don't have to get to that point of desperation to really get to that point where you're emptying yourself for Christ. You can do that before that you get to that point. And he preaches on this all around the country. After following Jesus for several years, Ken heard a story about the relentless love of God for everyone. And here's what he has to say. Watch this.
1: The people now that see me now and knew me when, and they go, y- you're what now? I said, well, yeah, I'm a minister now. And we travel, we speak at churches and colleges and conventions or things like that, giving my testimony. I was speaking at a large church in Southern California. and After my testimony, the pastor would come up and join me for a Q and A period. And he called on a lady way in the back of the auditorium. I don't know how he even saw her. She said, when I was a very young girl, I used to go to this incredible church that had a most wonderful youth program for girls. And every year we would go away for one whole week as a retreat. And we sat down he said, okay, here's what we're gonna do tonight. I'm gonna pass around a hat. In that hat are gonna be the names of some very decadent young people. You will take a name out and you will pray for that person's salvation until you either know in your heart or you have empirical knowledge that this person has come to the Lord. The names in the hat were the Beatles and the people that were with them. She said, me and my three girlfriends all picked the same name out of the hat, Ken Mansfield. Who's Ken Mansfield? She said, I was was going for Paul McCartney. I wanted to pray for Paul McCartney, you know. Every morning when I opened my Bible, there was that name. I promised, and I prayed for that person's salvation. She said, I got into the workplace and started getting successful. Didn't have quite as much time for church and for Bible reading. Eventually, I really started rocking and rolling. I was having a good time. She said, finally, I just turned my back on the Lord. And she said, I was just really having a great time. About a year ago, everything came crashing down. It was awful. She said, about a month ago, all of a sudden, I had this feeling that God was like tugging at my heart, saying, hey, my child, remember how sweet it was when we used to go away on the retreats together and how it was when you were with me, when you walked with me, how special, and how peaceful your life was. I woke up this morning and there was an ad in the newspaper that said a man named Ken Mansfield who used to be with the Beatles is here giving his testimony at this church tonight. She said, I looked at that ad and it was like, it was just jumping at me me, like God was saying, hey, have I ever left you alone? I answer prayer, don't I? I've come here tonight, Pastor, to tell you that I'm back. Now this there's a large congregation, this pastor and I had seen everything in our lives, and we were both just standing there. We couldn't even talk, you know. It was very clear to me that God had always, you know, kinda had his hand on me just saying, Come on, well, let's go. Never give up. Never give up. Such a cool story. It really is.
0: Did you understand that? The girl got his name years before. And he's praying for him. God hears those prayers. And I love his last thing, never give up. Never give up. No matter how empty we feel, or no matter how long it's been, no matter how away from God we feel, no matter how far we've run, no matter how much me has taken over in my life and what I want, never give up never stop praying for those people, and never stop seeking the Lord. God has not given up on you. God wants to work in your life. He wants to bless you. He wants to encourage you. He wants you to be completely submissive to him. And when you do that, he will come into your life and really work the magic, work what God wants to do in your life, and you will see blessings of abundance. You will will see lives transformed And there's no better place than to be in the center of of God's will for your life. There really is. And no matter how hard life can be, being in the middle there, being with God, working for God, is amazing. Whether it's reminding you of some years ago that, that shows you that he was there, or whether it's something that you don't even know about, like a stranger praying for you by name, God is looking out for you. He's running after you, and He wants desperately to fill you. But you can only be filled with Him if they're empty of you. Let's pray. Father God, thank You so much for for everything, Lord. Just just the the love that You have for our lives, the the ability to have a relationship with You, Lord. Father God, thank You for the blessings of of people like Ken Mansfield that, that that you know came to you and now is preaching the gospel. Thank you for people that are that all around the world, like like Nick Rick uh, Ripkin, who who's missionaries all around the world that are that are dedicated to sharing your love. And thank you for everybody here and their desire to see see your word spread around our community here. And most importantly, Lord, thank you for a relationship with you. Thank you so much for loving us so much, enough to mold us and change us from the inside out. Thank you so much, Lord, for for working in our lives. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit at Pentecost to be able to be in our lives and seal us for eternity. I am so grateful for your love, Lord. And I know everybody here is too. And Father God, I just ask you to continue to work in the lives of everybody here and help them become empty of themselves and filled with you. Help them with that, Lord. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to touch the lives of each and every person here. And let nobody leave here without a relationship with you. Father God, thank you so much for all that you do and all your love. In Jesus' name, amen. At the end of the service, we have an opportunity for, for an invitation, and usually invitations are for, you know, if you've never accepted Christ, it's an opportunity for you to do that. It's an opportunity for you to publicly confess a new relationship with Jesus. But I like to use this opportunity not just for that, but also to give you an opportunity to rededicate your life to him. If maybe there's some time in your life where, or maybe you're going through that now where you just do not feel God is working in your life, but you want that. You have that desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be filled with God. He loves you and he wants that relationship with you, but it takes that first step. It takes that act of courage to step out and say, Lord, I'm sorry for being away from you. I'm sorry. I am sorry. I want to be closer to you. I want that relationship. I want to be the end of me and be all of you. So as we sing, come forward. Take this time to come and humble yourself before God. Just kneel down and just ask God for forgiveness, ask God for prayers, whatever it is that you want. Take this time to pray. Take this time to surrender to him. Please rise and let's let's worship together.